Brothers and sisters, the Lord be with you. And with your A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Matthew. Glory Lord. Jesus said to the twelve, Fear no one. Nothing is concealed that will not be revealed, nor secret that will not be known. What I say to you in the darkness, speak in the light. What you hear whispered, proclaim on the housetops. And do not be afraid of those who kill the body, but cannot kill the soul. Rather be afraid of the one who can destroy both soul and body in Gehenna. Are not two sparrows sold for a small coin? Yet not one of them falls to the ground without your father's knowledge. Even all the hairs of your head are counted. So do not be afraid. You are worth more than many sparrows. Everyone who acknowledges me before others, I will acknowledge before my heavenly Father. But whoever denies me before others, I will deny before my heavenly Father. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. What are you afraid of? Not too long ago, there was a story that was published entitled Cancer Doctors Avoid End-of-Life Talk. And it reported that many oncologists often refuse to tell terminally ill patients the truth about their condition. One of the main reasons is fear. The doctors talk about their own personal fear over breaking difficult news coupled with their concern of bringing even more fear to their patients. The article went on through a list of reasons why this was so difficult for the doctors, but not surprisingly, the same study said that cancer patients who were informed by their doctor of the true condition oftentimes did better than those who did not. Most patients who knew their condition were, were better prepared to face the reality as well as to help their families. It helped them to make decisions that they had been putting off. In short, didn't remove all people's understandable fears, but the truth often helped mitigate it. Reading through it, through all the different dialogues between the different doctors, it couldn't help but flash back to one of Jerry Seinfeld's stand-up routines where he said, according to most studies, people's number one fear is public speaking, and number two is death. 
death is number two. Does that sound right? That means to the average person, if you go to a funeral, you're better off in the casket than doing the eulogy. What are you afraid of? After months of quarantine, after weeks of of protest and unrest, no doubt there's a pretty lengthy list of things that are widespread and shared among many that can easily form a list at this point, which is already piled on top of things that we all carry in our own lives, in our own families. Maybe you're not worried about COVID anymore, but about the friend who's dealing with a disease that's far more known and can be far more dangerous. Maybe your job status hasn't been interrupted by the months of the shutdown, but that's not as much of a blessing as it might sound to other people. I'm thinking of some police officers right now who feel more vulnerable and less supported and protected than ever before. There's no shortage of fears to contend with on a a pretty regular basis. Today's scriptures providentially are very relatable for whatever fears are bubbling right beneath the surface for us. In the first reading, the prophet Jeremiah wasn't exactly thrilled about his calling by God to be a prophet. He knew that he was being sent with a message that the receivers weren't all that interested in hearing. Jeremiah was being sent to Israel as they're on the brink of just yet another national disaster. Their lack of attention to Jeremiah and all the the prophets before him are going to lead to their eventual conquest and being their captivity by the Babylonians. Time and again, Jeremiah wanted to just pack it in and walk away because he knew that no one wanted to hear what he had to say. In fact, he's afraid to deliver the message because then, just as now, it's very often the messenger who gets shot. He constantly had to work to overcome his fear. In the gospel, Jesus warns the disciples to be wary of those who seek not to destroy the body, but those who wish to destroy the soul. In other words, those who wish to crush our spirits, that part of ourselves that by its nature is seeking union with God. And notice that Jesus pulls no punches here, telling them that there is a sense of danger that goes along with being one of his disciples. For some, it's going to require their very lives. But for Jesus, that isn't the most dangerous thing. Nor is it the thing that we should fear the most. The only thing he claims we should fear, and sorry FDR is not fear itself, but rather we should fear anything that would kill our desire for God and to be his disciple. The trouble with those things that seek to destroy our our souls and our spirits is that very often on the face of it, they don't seem like anything that we need to be afraid of. And in fact, the real danger lies in them being somewhat innocent or benign or understandable that they don't seem to pose any danger at all. Last week, I was speaking with a friend about their returning to Mass for the first time after months and months of quarantine. Unlike here in our own archdiocese, their diocese had allowed upwards of a few hundred people to come to church. They had different locations that they could watch Mass and receive communion if they didn't feel comfortable in the church itself. So there was all kinds of safety protocols that you could have imagined or anticipated were already in place. When I asked him on, on Monday, how did it go? He goes, yeah, I, I didn't end up going. And I think he could hear the, the sense of surprise. And then he started going through this list of things. He's like, yeah, well, you know, the Obligation still not enforced yet, and I'm kind of nervous about going there yet. I figure, let me just give it a few more weeks and see how it goes. 
maybe he got me on the wrong day, but I said, dude, you were at the Home Depot on Friday. <laughs> You've already booked an appointment for your haircut, and you keep looking for updates when your gym is reopening. Not for nothing. That's a little bit of BS. We'll see how he makes out this weekend. But not to pick on him or anything like that, because I get all the legitimate concerns and coupled with so many leaders, whether government or in the church, who have fed into those fears as well. But now we've allowed safety and precaution to grip us from receiving the most nourishing thing that we can receive for our souls. Jesus' body and blood in the Eucharist. What are you afraid of? Yes, we all have our, our fears to deal with, the legitimate as well as the irrational. And being a true disciple doesn't mean to pretend that we don't have those emotions and feelings <clears throat> or that they can often be formidable. So we're not to deny that those things exist, but at the same time, we're not to give in to them, <clears throat> to not let them inhibit us or limit us, to not let them discourage us or cause us to lose sight of what really matters. Which is why we hear again and again Jesus' words in today's gospel confidently calling us, fear no one. And then beautifully reminding us that the same God who lovingly watches what happens to two sparrows is watching over us. That we're worth much more to him. Pope Benedict XVI once said, a disciple of Christ is one who in the experience of human weakness has had the humility to ask for his help, has been healed by him, and has set out following closely after him, becoming a witness of the power of his merciful love, which is stronger than sin and death. My friends, we can't look to any health official or government leader or religious authority even to be our source of our strength. We can't expect others to eliminate our fears. Jesus Christ is the only one who has come back from the dead. He alone has authority over heaven and earth. So may we look to him and put our faith in him to deal with any and all things that makes us afraid. May we be humble enough to trust that he can in fact do just that. 